Welcome to the May 13th, 2021 meeting of the Science Fiction Club. We skipped last month, so everybody should have plenty of reading material to talk about. Even if they didn't read anything this month, they will have, they'll have plenty of reading material from last year or something. So, uh, well, let's see who's here that hasn't been here. Oh, Roger, you want to go ahead? Thanks. I'm here. Oh, sure. I bring you The Trouble with Lichen by, oh. John, by John Wyndham this time. Yes, oh, I remember that. Um, this book has about two parallel plots going on. So let me tell you the part that is more related to science. It seems that a scientist working for some kind of a lab discovers a an exotic chemical being produced by a certain kind of lichen by the way it's a rare lichen it grows only in northern china in manchuria surrounded by russia on three borders um, in other words, kind of a strategic area between Russia and China. But it is a rare lichen, and it turns out that it has life-extending um, characteristics. That is, now, let's switch to the real world. Current day, present, real world, world research for a moment. Uh, the current research being done on extending life and keeping youth and all of that has to do with telomeres now. The idea is that when a cell divides, the telomeres that kind of hold the uh, strands of DNA together uh, divide with it, but they do not replicate themselves once they have divided. So with every division of a cell, the telomeres get shorter and shorter, and there is a limit to this. Um, and there comes a point where the cell can no longer divide, and it's thought that that is responsible for most of the senescent diseases, that is for old age itself and bringing on death. If you could somehow uh, make those telomeres replicate themselves with along with the rest of the DNA, we might be effectively immortal. But uh, current research, the problem with the current research is that it causes, if they use something called telomerase on it, which does keep the telomeres from shortening, it causes cells to just divide, um, well, quickly and without limit. In other words, it causes cancer. So they've still got a ways to go on that. In this book, this was published in 1960, and John Wyndham would not have known about this research on telomeres at that time. But his idea was that if you slow down cell division, that is going to cause an extended life and extended youth. So you can see he's got kind of, General, the general idea 
that comes along with these telomeres. But he figured, well, in this story, this chemical produced by the lichen causes cells to divide at um, one-third the rate that they would divide at otherwise. And by doing so, the aging process is slowed down um, by uh, to about a third as fast as it was. In other words, they figure that this will extend human life for to about 250 or 270 more years. At the age of 90, you will be physically 30. I guess that um, he doesn't say so, but it implies that at the age of 30, you'll be physically 10. But I don't think he has the idea that everybody's going to have an extremely long childhood. But if you're 90 years old, think of the physical condition most people are in at 90. Um, if they take this chemical produced by the lichen, they're going to be physically 30 years old, and they're going to live that much longer, too. Um, well, there is some conflict in the story because the scientists who discover this have to keep it secret. For one thing, it's a very rare lichen, and if people find out where it is located, everybody will be descending on that area trying to harvest it. It won't last. They will harvest all of it, and it will be gone forever. And furthermore, it's considering its location, it's just the kind of thing that could spark a war between Russia and China which they don't want either. And besides, if everybody uses up all the lichen, then um, the scientists who discovered it won't be able to extend their own lives. So there's where some conflict comes in. But now there's another parallel plot going on, which is that this book is kind of a feminist manifesto up to a point. Now, in 1960, that was before the third wave of feminism. I think, if I recall correctly, The Feminine Mystique was published in 1963. But in any case, back in 1960, most people in um, Britain and North America, and by the way, this takes place in Britain, and John Wyndham himself is a British writer, by the way, but most people in Britain and North America just assumed that a woman's highest calling was to be a homemaker and a mother. And John Wyndham seems to see some injustice in this. And in the lab where most of this takes place the person who discovered the biomedical characteristics of the chemical that is exuded by this lichen was a woman, but she was out of place in her lab. Um, the trouble is the women, women who worked in a scientific lab like that were not taken seriously for one thing. For another thing, if they were allowed to work there at all, it was mainly so they could be ornaments 
And of course, all of the other stereotypes were in place, such as they did not think a woman had much potential for a career because of, of course, she's going to quit early to have babies and to be married and all of that kind of stuff. So it turns out that her original discoveries were not taken very seriously. And so that kind of retards their discovering what uh, the real implications of this lichen are. And then a few months after she makes her discovery, she dies. And guess who gets all the credit for the discoveries she made? Her husband. <laughs> but her husband himself sees this injustice and this, all this sexism. And in, the, in any case, his daughter gets involved too. And she starts working on the same lichen. And she is basically the one that discovers the life-extending characteristics of the lichen. And now, most of the social implications of this lichen take place in conversations between different characters. And you don't necessarily see it happen. But somehow John Wyndham seems to think that all this life extension is going to be a big boon to women's liberation. But then when he describes how so, um, after showing himself to be a male feminist, after showing himself to be decrying the sexism that's oh, holding women back and so on, the way he figures that it will liberate women shows him to have some really sexist attitudes himself. Um, the way he figures it, if at age 90, you're going to be physically 30, that means that if a woman works in a laboratory or an office or whatever, they're going to keep her around even longer because she'll be able to be an ornament for a lot longer. And, for, and if she's kept around a lot longer, she will be able to learn the ropes better, gain some power, and actually make a difference and establish a real career. And I'm saying, does he really think they need to do that to uh, gain women's liberation? And there were some other... Now here's the problem with trying to remember this. Um, I see that the time for the meeting is coming up in a few weeks. I decided, well, let me figure a um, book that would be good to bring to the meeting. And I download this book, and it turns out to be a short book, and I finish it. And then by the time that today gets around, there's a lot of it that I forget. And in fact, one of the things I forget, there was another method by which the women were going to liberate themselves with these long lives. And now I forget what it was, but it was um, seemed to be kind of sexist to me, too. So, um, well, our list doesn't have that's that the much basic traffic. gist can, of the uh... story. That's the basic gist of the story. Um, uh, since it all takes place in the time of these researchers and so on, like I said, you don't see what the future brings. You don't see people actually living to more than 200 years. So, 
it was fairly interesting, I think. So there you have it. Yeah, our list doesn't have too much traffic, so you could, if you if you remember it, you can post it later on. Anybody Maybe it me? was that they could have more babies. I think there's a limited number, or are a limited number of eggs in the female. Anybody hear me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I said um, you can post it to the list if uh, if you if you remember it. Sure. Uh, later on, you can post it to the list. Yeah, maybe the uh, I was thinking maybe it was that um, um, they could have more uh, researchers. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, I I thought I might have read that because I saw it in our library. There was a Braille version, and I remember it was in that British Braille with no capitals and oh wow, and yeah, all that from the RNIB. And as I remember, they uh, well, I, could, I guess I shouldn't get into that. I think they put little dots on the page with glue or something. Is that how they made those? Um, anyway, uh, but now I don't remember whether I read it or not because if I did, I forgot it completely. I did like other books of his. I read a couple of other books of his, uh, but I, maybe I didn't read that one. Yeah, I read uh, Day of the Triffids. Day of the Triffids. And, and the Chrysaloids. Yeah, yeah. I read, uh, that was under the title Rebirth. Uh, Rebirth, was a talking yeah. Book. Yeah, the, right, uh, yeah, Alan Haynes uh, read that, I think. Uh, no, Patrick Horgan read it. Oh, that's right, that's right. I beg your pardon. Yeah, one, A great book. And uh, yeah. a, well, another one called something... Out of the deeps. Yes, yes. Was that called. was I read was that on, too. It was yep, about it the was earth a, being invaded from uh yep, and they Jupiter. landed in the oceans. Oceans, yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was good. He yeah. was he was a good writer, I yeah. thought. Uh that British disaster type stuff. Um Thanks. wrote a few of those. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember there was a there was a review on Goodreads and um the person was saying, unlike other John Wyndham books. Well, you might guess from the title and knowing that this is a John Wyndham book that it's about a lichen taking over the planet Earth. Yes, like you the might. Rest of his books, it's not anything like that. <laughs> you might, yeah. That yeah. would be you'd be forgiven. Someone is here who hasn't been here for a while. Oh, good. Her name is Liz. Liz, oh. are you still here? Oh, she was here. Maybe she just muted. I saw her name. I am. I'm looking oh, for the are. details of the book that I'm going to talk are you, about. You have an exter are you exterminating humanity again? <laughs> um, you did last time. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Everybody needs a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, call me on me next because I'm I'm looking for the details okay. of the, the book and then I'll get back Martin. to you. Okay, Martin. I haven't seen. I haven't oh, heard. Yeah. yeah. Martin, Martin was said they said he was here too. Um, now I don't oh. know. There he is, Martin. Yeah, oh, I've been here. Oh, how are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, do you have a? Did you have something? I uh, do. All right. Okay, I read uh, two books. A sequel. One is called Unearth, and the second book that deals is a sequel. It's called The Undying. And the authors, let me. Get it on the Victor Reader because I can't remember them. Are oh, hold on, oh, I just lost one. What was the first one called? 
the, the first one is called Unearth. Unearth. Mm. Right. And the All second right. one was called Un Undying. Undying. Okay. Now I just lost my place. Mm. Oh, here it is. All right. Books. Nope. I hang on for a second. Oh. Let me see if I got. Oh boy. <laughs> so, <laughs> take up time. Hang on. Nope. Can't see the fight. Anyway, it's written by two two women, and basically. It's narrated by two narrators, and it's a, it's a book for mm -hmm. young adults, basically. Okay. And the first book starts out on this remote planet where you have two teenagers. One is a, a, a Oscar scholar, I mean, from Oxford scholar, who's a son of an, uh, a, a scientist who discovered these these communications from an from a civilization that died thousands of years ago and through he was able to decipher his communications and figure out that they were giving technology to humanity one of the things they gave was a, a portal a wormhole a wormhole so that they could um go to this planet and discover other artifacts that they had left that would be good for humanity so um a number of people went this the scholar the son of a uh, uh, of the of the one who discovered these communications, and then and then a girl who went with the idea of um, scavenging, getting things to sell back on Earth because Earth was highly overpopulated, and they had originally sent out a ship to a different star that whose mission failed. So the first book has to do with all, all their adventures. They, they go into these different temples and try to figure follow these clues. And there, there, there's other people who were there to try to, you know, discover the truth, and they're kidnapped. And there's, you know, they, you get, they get out of these different adventures, and eventually, after going through a lot of different um, uh, clues and 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 things that the that these that this civilization had left for them in these temples, they finally discover a portal that takes them to a ship that was hidden in the south pole of the planet and this ship apparently was there left by these aliens for them to uh, return to earth by and in the meantime they discover that there's another portal through which these aliens who supposedly have been dead oh, another interesting thing is in the temple itself they see writings in, in different languages among which is the English, and they wonder, how is this possible? How could a civilization that had died out thousands of years ago know modern-day languages? Well, it turns out that in the second book called The, um, the Undying, we find out that actually these, these people are alive. They, they actually weren't from an alien civilization. The ship that had originally been sent out to, to Earth from Earth to start, and supposedly it got lost, somehow got caught up in a time warp and survived, and the the uh, descendants of, of these original uh, colonists developed this, this civilization, and they were the ones who had left all the clues to Earth for Earth people to come in and, and find them. And their idea was to 
allow the, the Earth people to open up a, a portal so they could go back to Earth and take over Earth because they felt that they were abandoned by uh, the by the by the Earth people, you know, when they were sent out. So in the second book, you deal with, with how how our two protagonists are, are trying to escape from them and they go through different adventures on earth and they finally end up finally convincing them that that earth had not abandoned them that that, that they had tried to reach them and weren't able and they probably end up uh, making peace between the survivors and the and, and earth and 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 settle down together <laughs> so that basically it, it, the book is very interesting the the, the narrators are very good the the, the the one who reads the the part of this um uh, this Oxford educated young boy really presents the the, the dialogue in a very strong English accent and then the girl who's a scrapper from Chicago who who grew up on the hard hard side of Chicago the uh, the narrator presents her in a very realistic way too so I thought yeah. it was an, an interesting an interesting concept of how first you wonder where the civilization had died out so many that was a year ago, and then in the second book, you find that they really didn't die out. They were actually humans, but they had, you know, somehow got into a different time warp and we were to develop a more advanced civilization than what they had left back on Earth. Oh. So the only thing lacking now is we to find those authors. <laughs> yeah, well, but if you me, find them, you can post about them or you can mention it. Well, let me. Here. I'm gonna mute myself, and I'll, I'll look real quick, and then I'll, 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 you know, I'll interrupt it to give. Well, us Liz, have I given you yes. enough time? Yes. To... Yes. All <laughs> yes. right. Okay, okay, Liz. Um, I read this book about ooh six weeks to two months ago, and a lot of stuff has happened in that time. So my details on it are really sketchy. I apologize ahead of time. I really wanted to review it this week, but. We had a loss in our family this week, so I've been a little. Oh, oh I had I'm to sorry. have my. Well, I had to have my kitty put to sleep on Tuesday, oh, so oh, I've been kind of a mess all week. Yeah. But, well, but anyway, glad you came anyway. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, I was, missed Alan you guys. Fifteen and a half, uh, like oh, yeah, fifteen boy. plus, somewhere yeah. between fifteen yeah. and eighteen. And uh, wow, that's a good long run for them. Yeah. Oh yeah, he he had a good long life, but it was still you want him to live forever, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, um, I read the feed. Um, it's by Nick Clark Window. They've done a, a series. I think it's on Amazon Prime, loosely based on this book, and I'm going to say loosely based on it because I tried <laughs> to watch the series and I liked the book much better. Um. It is, uh, let's see, okay, it's also narrated by the author. It's 11 hours and 22 minutes, and the DB on that is 93093. And so it's about Tom, Tom and Kate are the central characters here. They live in a not-too-distant future, but they live in a society where everybody is on, the, everybody's, Thoughts and everybody are, are shared through something called the feed. You know, prior to birth, they, they have a chip put in and it's activated. They can, you know, upload their, memor uh, their memories. They can upload their experiences. And, like, if somebody, like, shares, you know, somebody went on a vacation and they want to share it with it, they can actually upload their memories into your, your – and you can have not just the kind of a 
narrative of what they experience. You can have all of their emotions and stuff too. So it's very sophisticated, very complicated, and it's led to a world where everybody's just totally addicted. I mean, you see all these people in a restaurant and they might look like they're eating, you know, eating with each other. They're sitting at the same table, but, but they're really not talking. I mean, the waitresses are coming up and just delivering the food to people because they already know what they want. Um, it's just really kind of bizarre. Oh, this you can almost is... see that now with people in their I phones. know. <laughs> you experience, yeah. right? It you know? happens now. We've been with <laughs> yeah. people who've done it. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so really anyway, bizarre. It's it's not that far out. No, as I said, not too distant future. Well, all of a sudden, see, Tom and Kate are kind of aware of the, um, they they see the deterioration, they see the, the harm that this is causing. So they try to detach from the feet. They, they limit their time because you can turn it off. Most people choose not to, but they can turn it off. Um, so one day when the feed completely collapses, Tom and Kate are faring better. A lot of people just go insane. They, they just, you know, a lot of people, okay, here's where the, <laughs> here's where the uh, dystopian comes in. You know, a lot of people die because they start killing themselves. They just go nuts, you know, because they can't, they cannot exist without this feed. And another thing that has happened is a lot of the information to like run the infrastructure and stuff has been uploaded to the feed. And of course, when the feed goes down, so does the infrastructure. And there aren't people around that, that have the knowledge to get the power back online and all this kind of stuff. So Tom and Kate are searching to where they're going to where the feed is actually housed because you find out that Tom's father is one of the you know the creators of the feed. And again, my details are really sketchy now, so I'm just telling you. Uh, um, I it's like I said, <laughs> everything's boring, but. So they, they um, during, okay, so they're thrust back into a world before the feed. And unfortunately, a lot of the infrastructure has gone down. So Tom and Kate are trying to get to the hub to um, figure out a way to, to at least download, you know, get somehow get a hold of the information to get the infrastructure back up and running. Um, there are a lot of stuff happens. Their daughter goes missing, so they re they reconnect to the they they you know try to you know that the whole a lot of the story is about them trying to find their daughter. And the long and the short of it is, you find out that the people who caused the collapse of the feed are actually people from the distant future, and they did it because all of they all they had eventually they were pushed into caves and stuff so their whole world um, existed on listening to the feed and that's how they experienced life was through the feed and um, they saw um, this is where I'm getting sketchy they, they saw something happening to cause the collapse. And so they came back to try to prevent that from happening um, so that they could have a life, they could have a future because without that, um, anyway, it gets really complicated. I enjoyed the book. It was very interesting. It posed a lot of interesting questions, um, but, uh, you know, uh, dealing with the whole, 
cyber connectedness that everybody is is totally consumed with now. Um, but I don't know why. I, I just again, I don't. I didn't care for the series nearly as much as I liked the book. So that's my thing. The feed. Yeah. I mean, well, I I rarely. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. They. they uh, we Lissy and I did that with the fantasy series and. And it was so different from the book. It was much more violent. They completely changed, you know, a lot of the stuff. And there was more sex in it than was in the book. And there was more. It's like, you know, they just took the basic plot elements and rewrote yeah. it completely with the same characters. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I was so hideous. Uh, anyway, so The Feed, I think I saw that. I know I um, read it. But I don't oh, remember did? the part about the people in the future coming back. I just remember it's been so long. I just remember mm -hmm. you could visit your loved ones forever. They lived in this cyber digital world. Right. Right. You never really why had to the, say. Why did the future people crash it again, you said? because I'm trying to remember the details <laughs> oh, on that. But it yeah, was something about something happened. And they saw it going to, uh, they saw events starting to happen to where um, they were going to be like there was going to be this world devastation happening, and so in order to try to prevent that from happening, they oh. they somehow came back. Um, and I I'm so sorry that I can't remember the details on how they managed to do that, but it, you know it was a it was a really interesting twist that they came back essentially to save their own lives. It makes sense if everybody's doing the feed, then nobody's working or producing right. anything. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it just, you know, the society like having collapses. your iPhone implanted in your head. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh, yeah, basically. Exactly. <laughs> we all know where it's I have to anyway. tell you, that's why I kind of, I mean, I really laughed when the, one of the conspiracy theories about the vaccine was is that they're implanting chips in everybody. I'm like, why bother? Everybody's got their phones glued to their heads. Yeah. You don't we need have to try too hard. <laughs> right. Yeah, it <laughs> seems know? like it, um, it's unnecessary. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's an it's an interesting read. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, David, you don't. Hello. You have right. been here. I just finished reading one. I read one last week. It's the sequel by Arca de Martin. Her first book, I think it's an Empire of Memory. One, if I'm not mistaken, won the Hugo a few years ago. And this sequel, A Desolation of Peace, is the second in the series. It's this elaborate empire with an elaborate world building. It's a rather strange kind of book. And I won't really get into this one because I think you'll like the Andrew, the new Andrew Weir, which I was able to get my hands on through Audible, called Project Hail Mary. It's typical Weir. It reminds me a bit of The Martian because in this one you have the guy going off heading to Tau Cetai, the, the star, because they, they have found that our sun is getting dimmer. They find these strange astrophage um, things that, that live off the sun have been multiplying. They um, go into the atmosphere of Venus. I didn't understand some of the science. He got really technical in that way that Andrew Weir likes to do, really hard yeah. science. And he... Um, they have to, in other words, they're going to have to find out where these astrophages originated. They find out that they originate in Tau Ceti because that, that star is not dimming, that something on that star is keeping those astrophages in check. So the guy 
is take, sent off in a spaceship with a Russian and a Chinese. They're put into suspended sleep because they're going to travel for four years to get there at almost the speed of light. And he wakes up. He doesn't remember where he is because he had been given a, a drug to, to um, blur his memory because he really didn't want to go. See, the world is going to, if the sun dims, the world is going to go into another ice age. So all the world space agencies have to work together to build this ship and they pick him and these two other people to go because the people who should have gone in his place got blown up in an accident. They were working with the astrophages because they're also an amazing form of energy. Like I said, there's a lot of hard science in it that I didn't really understand. So the guy's the only one who survives. He wakes up alone in the ship. He's approaching the star. He starts doing his research there. Of course, there's an alien ship there already. He makes contact with this sort of spider creature who came from a different planet in the upper on a Ridenai system where the atmosphere is mostly ammonia and it's 29 times the atmosphere of Earth. So the, the creature sees by sound waves and speaks with like musical notes and the audible book has the musical notes and when the narrator reads the space alien it's sort of an echoey vibrational thing. It's fun. It's very hard SF in the sense that there are a lot of theories and discussions about formulas and um, velocity and different things and you know he, he's it'll probably be a movie I'm sure it's been optioned already because I could see how it would be an interesting movie it'll mostly be the one main actor and the alien but there will be flashbacks which is how the book was done to show how you got to the ship and how they found out that these astrophages were bad for us and what they were going to do about it so I'm sure Bard will get it soon yeah he is a popular writer you know he's done the art he's done that you know um the first one which was the martian it was sort of robinson crusoe on mars then he did artemis the mystery on the moon i really like yeah, that one. i hope that he does good, another yeah. one in that series that's a nice series he should definitely do a couple more and then now we had this sort of space opera one where they go to the different star system that sounds good you but I can hear like the fossil it. fuel industry. The sun going yeah. dim. Bring back yeah. fossil fuels. We're ready. <laughs> In fact, that's what they 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 blew. They used some sort of fusion bombs to blow up chunks of Antarctic ice to throw methane into the Earth's atmosphere to slow down the cooling because this these astrophages were literally causing the sun to dim. They were, I think they were eating its energy. Like I said, I didn't completely understand this book. It was more hard SF where the sequel, Desolation of Peace, which was the Arca de Martin book, is more soft SF. It's an elaborate empire with an emperor and people trying to, you know, everybody plotting against everybody. In fact, I learned that that author has a degree in Armenian and Byzantine studies. And I said, oh, yes, oh, wow. there you go. <laughs> like Harold, that's Harry Turtledove. Yeah, Harry, Harry Turtledove has one too. And his books have that in it, you know, the elaborate plotting. I, but, but Evan, I don't think the Videso series was ever on board and I've always wanted to read it. Somebody, Christmas of Videsos, it was some sort of take on the Byzantine period in some alternative history. It's not really SF, it's alternative, but I don't think Bard ever did it. That was, they've was done that some, Turtle Dove? Yeah, that was Turtle Dove, but it, oh, they would never my. did it. They did all these space alien World War II stuff, and then they yeah, did that, yeah. that tin book series. A friend of mine read all that multi, all that alternative history of how the South won the Civil War and right. you know, how the, a friend of mine said those were very good. They're very long. 
but oh, they're yeah. not SF, so I'm, I'm getting us off the subject without meaning to. Um, so I well, think alternative like, history is kind of grandfathered yeah. into SF. Well, I it's, mean, it's, it's, else it. it's under the yeah. speculative history. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, most people, most people, will not uh, take umbrage if you put alternate history under the SF. You know, I mean, yes, yeah. uh, it's it's a cousin of fantasy. Yeah. Mm. But it doesn't. Have but it has to have more it. rigorous plausibility than yeah. It can't have magic. Does. Yeah, unless right. it's historic fantasy, then you you can have you oh, write wow. here, a vampire at the court of Queen Elizabeth I. Yeah, yeah. Historic oh, fantasy. Yes. yeah. That gets yes. weird. Abraham Lincoln vampire slayer. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, mean, I mentioned weird. before, and I mentioned again that it has been suggested that alternate history should be in a genre by itself. Because mm -hmm. it's not really uh, science fiction, and it's no. not, not necessarily fantasy, but it is speculative fiction. Trouble is, there's just not enough of it for its own no. genre. Right? Horror, horror is speculative in a sense. It's sort of fantasy dark. That's the way I've always thought of horror: is sort of yeah. fantasy's dark half cousin. But I mean, there's more and more alternate history being written. You look at the. 1632 series. Oh lord! The, I always wanted to read that, but it's so intimidating. Oh. What's it's what? It's so intimidating. I've never. No, no. It. Just read the first one. Okay. And it, they're like it, ten it, of them. Yeah, but they kind of stand on their own. Oh. Uh, you know, you I don't do that. Eric um, Flint. Eric Flint, the author. I Eric used to Flint, know him before yeah. he became an author. Really? Wow. I think you had told us that one time, Roger. Yes, he was a an activist, wasn't he? Yeah, socialist. Or yeah, something. we were. We were both political activists. Oh, and wow. I knew him, but I didn't know him very well. Yeah, he was located in the northern part of the state of West Virginia. Right, I was in the Ooh. southern part, we were both working on the same cause, and oh. I met with him a few times. And I did not not even know he was a science fiction fan until I read his bio at um, the Bean Book website. Oh yeah, and I said, "Good grief, if I'd known." If I'd yeah. known that he was a science fiction fan, we would have had more to talk about than just politics. Right. 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 Absolutely. Oh. Well, uh, who wants to go next? You have oh. Neil and Sherry, if oh. I'm not mistaken, if I haven't don't forgotten I, anyone. Don't I get to go? Well, I guess Jim? so. It's Jim. Yeah. Oh, it's Jim. Jim O'Neill. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah, Gerard. <laughs> okay. Oh, the, the Princeton guy. What? <laughs> Famous Princeton scientist with the cylinder things. Jerome oh, Neal. yeah, yeah, no, no relation. Yeah, Ben you know, Bova wrote about him. Yeah. Okay, so got a couple I could talk about. Um, most closely remembered is um, Space Prison by Tom Godwin. Just read that recently. Tom Godwin is famous for the story Cold Equations. Oh, oh yes, that was horrible. That was a good. <laughs> yeah. That was a, but he a, a good one. Guys, at the end, I hated yeah. that book. I wanted yeah, to I know. come I, out right. Yeah, well, I mean, oh. you cannot change the laws of physics. <laughs> it was so horrible. I mean, she was surprised her brother and yeah. had enough fuel. She had to get out so he could deliver the medicine to the planet. Right. Right, oh, yeah, yeah. Horrid. It's one of the best science fiction. It's one of the best short stories in any genre, and I hate it. Yeah, it was in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Like The Arena by Frederick Brown is another one. Yeah, 
Well, there's a, a there's a, there was a um, somebody wrote a, a codicil of that story. I I forget what it was called, but it came out in uh, analog, and it was it was that story. But it was a little boy going to see his sister or what have you, oh. and he stowed away on the ship, and the pilot solved it by Trump. amputating amputating her legs and going into stasis. Yep. Oh. So everybody so lived. she lost enough body weight to make it work yeah. out that yeah. Time. So right. the author wanted to make it right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I read that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, space prison is um, a different type of a story. You have a cruiser going from Earth to a colony planet, Athena, to try and do research and find a weapon to combat the uh, race that is trying to take over all the Earth colonies, the Gurn. The Gurn captures the cruiser, uh, selects people out to be slaves, and puts the other people that they don't want to be slaves onto this planet. And I can't remember the name of the bloody planet, planet hell or whatever. I don't, I, you know. <laughs> but in any event, it's it's got re these real real nasty extremes of temperatures you know they, was this they on go board? see i did forget someone i forgot oh. marshall oh he left darn well well maybe he'll come back go ahead was this on board uh, bookshare where'd you get it bookshare oh, okay nicole equation uh i believe it's in that I think space prison stands on its own. But anyway, it's All about right. the 4,000 colonists that are left on this planet. They had to figure out, number one, how they're going to survive because everything is hostile to them, and, you know, including all the uh, animal life. And then they figure out how they're going to survive. They get keep, everybody keeps getting killed. And then they slowly make their way back and they um, capture a ship and, you know, go on to rescue Earth and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, that's one story, you know. It's a short read. You can almost read it in a day. Mm -hmm. You know, but uh, that's that's one of the books I had. There's another one that I read on Bard. It's called Skyward by Brandon Sanderson. It's the first part in a trilogy uh, about this colony that is on a planet it starts out with a father and the daughter they're exploring caverns and he's a fighter in their space defense forces um in the middle of their exploring the cavern this one particular cavern he gets called up you know because there's an alert the, the planet's being attacked it's always under it the colony is always under attack from the sky and they he has to go off and fight well he's branded a coward for something that he's done and anyway she grows up and wants to be a fighter too and it's about her becoming a fighter uh in the space defense forces and all the things that happen to her and her group of friends um but uh you I might want to give the that first a two they're oh, interesting okay. i think i read the first two and she oh. finds out there's a whole world out there yeah yeah he's a uh, fantasy writer too Oh Is my, he, yeah, that's what he's yeah. done most of his work. Yeah, okay. he writes these right. huge oh, fantasies yeah, they're, they're about huge, people yeah. who live on metals. The metals give them oh, power okay. or something. Wow. Oh, okay. oh, the, is that the Stormlight Archive? Uh, it might be. They they have. Yeah. There's some metal. of those are like 50 hours long. And oh my God. Wow. Oh, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> that's a yeah. commitment. 
fantasy yeah. is what historic yeah. fiction used to be long historic oh, fiction yeah, used they're to long. be but now yeah. fantasy um, is allowed to do that in but, science fiction um, sometimes yeah. yeah and then there's a couple others i got from uh baney books website uh one by david weber um oh, he writes a lot of books. He, he does he does called governor and uh that's part of the um path of the furies series and then there's another one uh it's an anthology by john ringo it's part of the black tide rising series and it's called i believe it's the rising and it's about the zombie apocalypse and oh, Liz. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> sounds good <laughs> Oh, not huh? zombies again. Honestly, I think I've had enough of zombies too. I, Somebody I told me. At well, read the Black Tide Rising series on, on, the, on, on Bard. Black Tide like Rising? Yeah, just look Okay. Somebody okay. told me at Christmas right, time now, there was uh, a zombie nativity. Some church or some group had a yes, zombie nativity. Yes, there was. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, funny. I thought that was it really is. bad. It was really in bad taste. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I know time's getting short, so I'll uh, you know Jerry. let somebody else go. Um, I, feel I bad read about forgetting Marshall, but yeah, I read the Diving Universe. Um, it's a books five through eight by Christine Catherine Rush. A long time ago, we read a book of hers in this group, and I really liked it. It was about some people that scavenge spaceships that oh, are deserted yeah. in space. It was really good. And I read a couple of her other books with those same characters and really liked them. So I thought, oh, Diving Universe. Well, the first book doesn't have any of those characters in it. Oh. I haven't read um, six, seven, and eight yet. The first one is called The Falls, and it's kind of a standard mystery set in the future. A guy finds some pairs of shoes up by some waterfalls. He surmises there's people dead in the water, calls out the authorities to scavenge out for the bodies. At the same time, in this spaceship, there's a small spaceship missing, sort of like, they don't call it a rover. I don't remember what they call it, but it's a spaceship within a spaceship, and it's gone. And for some reason, and I don't remember why, they think the person who took that spaceship is one of the people that might be dead in the falls. So it's like, which is it? It can't be both. I read about five hours, and I just didn't care um, who did it. <laughs> I didn't care about any of the characters. So I didn't finish it. So I don't know what happened and don't yeah. really care. I don't recommend it, but I'll try the others because I like this author. And then I also started reading The Time Traveler's Almanac, which is about 50 hours, and it's all Whoa. short stories. And I liked, I mean, 16 hours in, and I s skipped a surprising number of them, considering how much I like time travel. Yeah. The usual characters, Harry Turtle Dove, Ray Bradbury, oh, Robert okay. Silverberg, Connie Willis, no, somebody named doing? Henry Cutner and C.J. Yes. Moore. Oh, I yes. wasn't familiar with yeah. them, but that their they, story was one of my favorites. And Harry they Turtle Dove. actually married and wrote together uh -huh. back in the 50s. And, okay. Uh, they wrote uh, uh, another, since we were talking about the Science Fiction Hall of Fame, they wrote uh, one about strange children. Um, Mimsy, where the borer grows. And, yes. uh, I remember that. Was oh, that I remember that. that was under the that. name Lewis Paget. They yeah. wrote under that name. Yeah. Is that about a medical kit that kills the woman? No, it no, was toys. Um, it was a toy. It was toys. It was toys. The medical kit is okay. the little black bag. Oh, yeah, you're thinking man. of the little black bag. Yeah, that was, yeah, sorry. That was, it was in the same uh, anthology. It was the yeah. Playboy yes, it was. science fiction. Yeah. It was on old records. Yeah, Robert Donnelly read it. 
in this in this assigned post but he's an aberration he says he's he wants to gain control of the brain before his the leaders of his world find out and the reason they want to gain control of this brain is because i'm skipping over plot details because it will take like too long but they figure out uh and they're actually competitors and and they're going to be trying to kill each other before too much longer <laughs> that this these brains control reality um this one only controls the solar system according to the mathematician guy but there must be one that controls at least half the galaxy or more and the scander who's the archaeologist biologist who's the leader i mentioned he says why is that and he said because we're stable me and he says it in an uh -huh. awestruck tone because if we're stable that means that there's some brain out there that's maintaining our reality and if we could get control of it then they can change the reality and become gods hmm. so that's that's one plot line now there's another plot line that goes uh there, we switch points of view just okay um so they find they trying to find a way to get to this brain that's 40 miles below the crust of the you know the surface of the planet and they look all over for, uh, they see, they, they're able to see these energy f flows. They don't explain what they are, but Skander has developed these special filters that allow them to see them. And they find this opening near the uh, South Pole and they go there. And uh, before um, Varnett, who's the mathematician, um, well, all the team goes there, there's 10 of them and uh or nine of them and all the team goes there and they uh discover these uh openings so that they think will let them get to the brain but it only opens a certain time during the day for 46 minutes exactly so uh the rest of the team goes back to rest because they've been up there you know like waiting for this thing for a whole day and varnett is there and skander when he gets back he kills all the other people um he destroys all the equipment so that nobody else can uh get the information because another ship is coming in like uh, 50 days to take over they're only supposed to be there for like a year and they've been there for you know 10 months almost or more than 10 months so anyway um uh, they get uh so he he floods the whole place with oxygen and then goes out carefully and then uh puts a flare against the side of one of the and breaks it and creates a spark and all the people the seven other people are incinerated so he kills them off and then he goes back down to the south pole and he and varnett are trying to kill each other as the gateway opens uh, but we uh break away at that point to go to the other plot line which concerns a guy named nathan brazil who's running a freighter but it does have some passengers on it it's carrying grain to this drought-stricken planet and he gets this distress call distress call from the planet where the uh, murders took place and so he has to take it because you know they've saved his life for he's extremely long-lived um he's been around for you know some centuries and mo you know a lot of people are um i don't remember if he said you know that everybody was but anyway he is and so he has to divert to this planet and so he finds the distress beacon and finds out that it actually isn't working so he doesn't know how he got the distress signal that's just the one of uh, of a few coincidences that make him think that he's destined to get involved in this situation 
So he finds the murder victims, and then he finds the missing sh the ship and the, the aircraft that Skander and Varnett used uh, at the South Pole, but Varnett and, and Skander are missing. And so, but they find some footprints that end like halfway, you know, there's half a footprint and then they, uh, but while they're exploring, the, the gateway opens up and they find themselves in what is called the well world. And then the second coincidence for Nathan Brazil happens. Some guy that he knew many, uh, you know, decades earlier is the one to meet them. So this reinforces his idea that, you know, something he's, he's meant to, to work on this thing. Um, anyway, this is a planet and this is where the book really begins. See, this is the first of four books. And then there are three more after that, that are set in this universe. And this is where the real action starts. The well world is a place that was set up by this alien race, the Markovians. They're the ones that create these brains that are in several of these planets that they found with the alien ruins on them. And But this one has lots of life. There's little habitats. There are 1,560 of them, uh, half of them north of the equator and half of them south. And they all have their own climates and they all have their own species in them. And but you have to be transformed into one of those species. When you, you meet, you, when you first arrive, you're in this place called the zone, and then somebody meets you there and explains how, you know, certain areas, technological devices will work up to a certain level and other areas, they're, they're, they're higher tech and other areas are lower tech. And, but once you go through the gateway into one of these habitats, you get transformed into one of the species. Oh, and uh, the brain decides which species you're going to be transformed into. Oh, you still oh, have wow. your own mind. But and you have what's to, this you know, called you, again? It's called the Saga of the Well World. Oh, that's okay, the that's, name of the book on well, That's Bard, that big, long Doug Tisdale thing. It's like three yes. minutes in one. Yeah, oh, 47 know, hours and 50 minutes. Is that anyway, just one book? I just got, I just didn't care that much about, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I, I just didn't, I don't know. After three, I mean, I got to the point where uh, they go through the gateway, he and his pastor, Brazil and his pastor, they find out that Varnett and Skander are already there. And their, their, their motivation is to try to take control of this big brain because they think this is the one that controls the galaxy. It has to be because it has, this is the one with the world that's active and the brain is clearly functional. And so he's got the Brazil has got to find them, even though they're transformed into other species and try to stop them. And so I got to the point where they go through the gateway and then I quit because I said, I just don't care what happens after. Yeah. That. You know, you know, Sounds like a lot happened in three hours. Well, yeah, quite a bit happens in three hours. Yeah. Quite Evan, a bit. you know, your old friend, Peter F. Hamilton just put it. There's a new book on board that just got there called it Salvation. Oh, I read 20, that. I read. Yeah, yeah I read Bushier's version and I okay. read Salvation Lost and I'm reading the final book. Uh, oh, it's a trilogy. Now, they did. Saints they did say they did say it was a trilogy yeah. and it just went up today. The first, yeah, the the first one went up today. And Are I'm they already, good? I don't usually I enjoyed yeah. them, but some people got frustrated with the first one because it was composed oddly. It has it contains these stories from the characters who are on the ship, kind of like you remember uh, Hyperion? 
Yeah. Read that. Yeah. Um, that was Brian Aldous. No, that no, was um, no, no. Uh, Dan Simmons. Dan Simmons, oh, and, yeah, and it had these stories uh, yeah. were actually like novelettes and. Uh, that were written, uh, but they were oh. told by the various characters, kind of like the Canter, uh, kind of raw, uh, copying oh, okay. off the Canterbury Tales or something. I, I don't know. Let me take a look. Yeah, no, there's 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 a couple of books in that Hyperion series, three or four of them. But it's kind of a the Hamilton's yeah. kind of a repetitive plot though, mm -hmm. because it's kind of like the aliens are coming to take over. Uh, yeah. And they want to cocoon all the inhabitants of all of the human inhabitants to take them to the end of time, to their God oh. at the end of time. Yeah. And, oh, you know, this has been done before. Mm -hmm. um, Greg Bear did it as well or better in uh, Eternity, Eon and Eternity. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. With the Jarts. I like those books. Those Didn't really we good. read a Hamilton years back when we were still reading a book? It was something about the North. It was it was set. North, Great North Road. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that yes. was a mystery. That was a standalone so, mystery. Right. Uh, oh, that was strange. He can was a, come up yeah, with some I, ideas. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed he that. He is innovative. He stretches. But anyway, I just, I mean, the, the writing and the way they just drop stuff in and they don't tell you how they know it and I didn't even tell you about the addictive drugs conspiracy to take over worlds, you know, the in the in the uh in the calm worlds, you know, uh to take over the leaders of the calm. It's it, I just I just couldn't get into it. I mean there was no I mean Seems it like would have been a lot better, you know. Seems like there's so much going on you don't have time to develop the characters that there are, well the characters no, they're not very well developed, really not. And most of them, as I said, are you know, there's there's the diplomat and there's the master. They're all made people. Yeah. It's like they, yeah. you know, they're they're imprinted with their jobs from the beginning, and they're assigned, and they believe in the system. You know, uh, Brazil is one of those old fashioned kind of guys. He's a he's a kind of a loner, and he's, you know, he runs his freighter, but he's, you know, he's smart and kind of independent, and but um, but it just. I don't know. It just it it reads like something that was written in the forties. You know, mm. it has that feel about it where things just weren't very well. You know, just kind of thrown out there, and and the characters really weren't you know developed very much. Which I I don't yeah. care as much about that if the if the plot is interesting enough or the setting. I mean, I've read other books where characters weren't the highest you know priority. And yeah, they were good. Yeah, this well, one just it's, it's reads like. I mean, it was written in the late seventies, and it reads like something was written in the forties. It just mm. has wow. that, you know, B movie feel to it. That's what I keep thinking. You know, coming back to that's just what it felt like. Well, I'm People glad say that about the number of the beast, though. You know, that I think uh, my Heinlein. You know, but uh, Sherry, if you have it, you know, don't you know? I probably already biased you, but give it, give it a try. And see I don't know. Thinking. There's so much else to read. I, this doesn't. <laughs> I'm glad you reviewed it, so I can that's maybe place to, that's place something to be. else. Yeah, yeah, but I I didn't read the re other forty five hours though. <laughs> uh, life's too short. I, I, yeah. Exactly. I'll never we're get all, those hours back. We're, we're, all, we're all getting older. It's yeah. true enough. Well, I suppose I should say short. that yeah, it's, it's the um, the next meeting of the Science Fiction Club will be on June the tenth, twenty twenty one. 